Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Hi, welcome back to The Cottage. We're continuing our main series, Water in the Wilderness, with a mini-series. And this is going to conclude our focus on Elijah in 1 Kings chapters 17 to 19. With 1 Kings 19 and Elijah hearing that still, small voice. We hope you enjoyed this mini-series. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. It is that anchor that holds us through the storms of life. If there's anything we can cling to, it's what you told us. And it's always there. And we want to hear tonight again what you say. We get the opportunity tonight to be in your house, to be in your presence, to be with you. And to hear you speak. And that's all we just ask. Speak to us again through these words that these stories have been handed down from generation to generation. And they always speak afresh and new. That if we understand what you said then and we see now, we know what you said then will help us get through what we're facing now. So we just ask you for your blessing in all these things. Help us to see tonight what you want to say. In Jesus, my name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're continuing our mini-series on Elijah. We've been in chapters 17 and 18 of 1 Kings, and now tonight we want to go to 1 Kings 19, as promised. So you remember where we left off. We started at chapter 17 with no water, which models what happened in Genesis 2, where there was no water, and how God used Elijah, and it was at his command that there would be no water. just so happens it's about three and a half years, which is what they estimate Jesus' ministry to be. And so we were dealing with that and how he went to Mount Carmel, battled the prophets of Baal, and how finally he spoke of rain, and it rained. And you think, wow, it's time to roll the credits, right? Great movie, it's over with. But the story continues. And before we hit up 1 Kings 19, which we're going to go there, Really quickly, I want to go back to James, that little verse that we read earlier, that passage in James. I want to go back there and remind you what it said. Because sometimes we forget these things. So it's the book of James, there at the end, after Hebrews, before Peter, chapter 5, where it talks about Elijah. Now, you may not know it because they use the Greek word, and the King James authors chose to transliterate the Greek words into English letters. But it's Elijah, and that's chapter 5 of James, verse 17. Elias, which is Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, 
He prayed earnestly that it might not rain and rain not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. And we talked a lot about that. And that's a lot of what we deal with. The idea that Jesus obviously said judge not, but he did say you can judge fruit. Okay. And we know the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible talks a lot about fruit as the overflow of the Holy Ghost in our lives for others to taste and see that life that need it. Okay? And so we understand that he prayed and it didn't rain. It stopped raining at his prayers. And I've had this happen before. And he prayed again and it did rain. And I've had that happen too. So on different occasions. So just when God has allowed that to happen, it doesn't happen all the time, but it has happened in my life on numerous occasions. And so I want to focus in on here, now that we've done that in chapter 17 and 18, I want to focus on the first part of this verse 17 in James chapter 5. Elias is a man subject to like passions as we are. Sometimes we forget that. I remember teaching on the other side of the world. I was teaching a lot of Old Testament. Actually, the leaders of the ministry tried to shut it down, but my students said, no, let him continue. This is parts of the Bible we've never heard about, and now we understand the New Testament a whole lot better because we understand what they're talking about in passages like this in in James. But we forget that these people who live in the Bible are a lot like us. We think that there's some superhumans out there that, you know, God chooses some special people and they're special and they're way above everybody else and they're like Superman running around saving Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen, right? So, okay. But that's not the case. Elijah was just like you and I. Abraham had his fair share of mistakes. He kept lying about his wife. You know, we said Abraham came from the Ur of Chaldees, but We might think he comes from a different state where they keep talking about getting confused between wife and sister, you know. But anyway, we won't go there tonight. But he kept lying about his wife, which she is his sister. They did do that back then. So, but in some sense, not the same. Both, they didn't have both the same father and mother, but there's there's a connection there. Okay, in the family. They did that up into the English, did with cousins. Yeah, there you go. The kings and things. They did that a lot of times to keep it in the family, okay? Because you're trying to protect who's coming next. You're trying to protect that, and you're trying to hold on to the royal blood and keep the blood pure. So that's what they were doing. But So you have this idea that Abraham, and we know Moses was a murderer. We know Moses made mistakes. He, he marries a Cushite, and his sister gets upset, and God gets upset with the sister and not with Moses. You know, so there's a lot of things that happen in the Bible that let us know these people are just like us. And tonight, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we can answer why James says in chapter 5, 17, why he says that Elijah is just like us. Okay, Elijah has had this massive, massive campaign where he was able to defeat 850 prophets. I mean, I'm sure the women's soccer team wouldn't mind having Elijah on their team right now because they they can't score a goal. They need somebody to score a goal. He was up against, not David versus Goliath, this is one man against 850. 
but he had the one God that is true in the sense that he is faithful. God produces the fruit of faith in faithfulness. We can have faith in God. Our money says in God we trust because he is faithful and he asks us to apply that same faithfulness. But sometimes life gets interesting and we lose sight. Now remember what Elijah just did. For three and a half years, he's running around like John Wayne, the Duke. And then he goes on Mount Carmel and he's Clint Eastwood. I mean, he's just doing it all, you know. He's doing everyone, you know. He's telling old Ahab, he says, King Ahab, a man's got to know his limitations. You know, I mean, he's going in there, you know. He's like the Duke, you know. All righty, Pilgrim, what do you say? Now I'm telling you, it's not going to rain here, you know. I mean, he's doing all this crazy stuff. He's the hero. And then we get to 1 Kings 19. Remember where we left off. He called for the rain, and it rained. James says it rained, but he's a man like us. Now, after all of this wonderfulness, what happens next? I told you, and this is where we pick up the story. I told you this was going to happen. And Sherlin's comment was what now? What did you say earlier about the woman? Here we go. Sherlyn talked about the woman a little bit earlier. Here we go. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. She's always spot on with the Holy Ghost. Did you notice that? And Ahab told Jezebel, the woman, all that Elijah had done with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And now we got a problem because of the woman. Not just any woman, but the woman. The woman, Jezebel. Verse 2, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Verse 3, and when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And he's still going. He's still on the run. He had a servant, the servant's not named, left him there. Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. Here you go, Ed, he's wanting to go. And he said, it is not enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than thy fathers. Now, in the New Testament, or in our hymnals, we got, take my life and let it be. But Elijah's like, just kill me. Now, he's been on the run for three and a half years running around, you know, trying to figure out who shot Liberty Vance. <laughs> for three and a half years. I mean, he's like, they can't find him. They can't do anything to him. When we started this story, Obadiah's like, I'm not telling Ahab that I saw you because he will kill me as soon as they know that I saw you. And now all of a sudden, just because of the woman. Woo! He's tucked tailed and run. What is going on here? For three and a half years, they couldn't kill him. What happened? Because he's just like you and me. He's just like you and me. Where's Clint Eastwood now? What happened, Duke? What's going on? Straighten that cowboy hat. Where's the white horse? Come on now. What happened? 
He's asking God to take his life. It's enough. I'm finished. I've had it. The guy who said it's not going to rain, it didn't rain. The guy who says it's going to rain. The guy who calls down fire and what happens? The guy, I mean, read all these things that Elijah did. I mean, this guy was something else. Maybe it's Kirk Douglas. I don't know. He's, anyway, pick your favorite hero. It is enough now. Oh, Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. I'm just like everybody else, and I've reached my limit. I got a limit here, God. And we've charged this card way too much. Verse 5. And he lay and slept on the juniper tree. That's what a lot of people do, right? They get depressed and they sleep. Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. This reminds me when the angel tries to get Peter up, has to kick him and wake him up in the jail because Peter's like, oh, they're going to kill me tomorrow. I guess I'll get a nap in. And an angel has to convince him, hey, get on out of here. Come on, you got work to do. Go preach, you know. And Peter's like, really? And then Peter doesn't even think, he thinks he's dreaming. He thinks he's in a vision. And then when he gets outside, he realizes it. Then he goes to church and knocks on the door like Jesus does in Revelation. And they won't let him in. Because <laughs> they think it's a ghost. <laughs> you know, Lord. And they're praying, God, deliver Peter. He's like, I'm out here. I don't have the pizza, but I'm out here. <laughs> Not DoorDash, but hey, you're praying. God answered your prayers, and I'm standing right out here. Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink and lay down again. He's like, whew. Now, this is the guy that was fed by ravens. This is the guy that the widow, the, the oil, and the wheat did not end. This is the guy who raised the boy from the dead. This is the guy that God's taken care of so many times. Now he's not sending birds. He's sending angels. Yeah. Uh, snooze alarm. <laughs> he's setting the snooze alarm. And he goes back to sleep. And he's wore out. I mean, he's had to do all these miracles. It's tough business. Verse 7, the angel Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Stop sleeping because the journey is too great for thee. What God has next for you is huge. It's huge. And I am going to take care of you now so that you can get to where God wants to take you. And I keep trying to tell people, God, over and over again, accepts us just as we are, but he refuses to leave us there. And he wants to prepare us for what's coming. The whole thing that started this off was Isaiah 40, verse 3. Prepare ye the way of the Lord for what God has got coming. And he's trying to let Elijah know, I need to prepare you for what is coming. And I want to use you to prepare other people. The Jews are still waiting on who? Messiah. Messiah, but they're waiting on Elijah first. That's who the seat is at the Passover for. They have an empty seat at the Passover for Elijah. Because when Elijah comes, Messiah's next. They have an empty seat at their Passover Seder. They stop the worship service on the Passover Seder, that the meal they have. They stop that service 
and they ask a child to go check the door. Maybe Elijah is standing outside right now. He'll come in and he'll sit down with eat it with us. They got the food there, the plate, everything ready for him. And they say, see if he's out there just in case. If not, next year in Jerusalem. Next year maybe in Jerusalem. Because they're always hoping that they can have Passover in Jerusalem and see Elijah return. Because right after Elijah comes the Messiah. They're a little behind. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. But this is, we're still in the Old Testament. We're in 1 Kings 19. And this is the original Elijah. And he is preparing for something greater. And yet, he himself can't even handle it. And it's tough. It's tough. He not only has to deal with himself, and trust me, if you ain't figured it out yet, just let my wife and children come over here to explain it to you. It's tough dealing with me, okay? If you haven't figured that out yet. They're probably going to be looking for the wild goose to see if they can get me back, okay? It's tough. All right? It's tough. Dealing with me is looking at the man in the mirror is really tough some days, sometimes. Okay? He's got to do that, plus he's got to do all this other stuff for everybody else. And he's just like everybody else. And so it's tough for Elijah. Verse 8, we're in 1 Kings 19, verse 8. And he rose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat which is not really meat, but the King James used the word meat to describe grain. The wheat is actually, the kernel of wheat is actually understood as meat. Forty days and forty nights under Horeb, the mount of God. He goes to the mountain of God, God's place. But it takes him forty days and forty nights to get there. Maybe he's got to go around because of all Jezebel's spies, but he's got to go however he has to go. And we don't know anything about his journey, how God does it. I'd have to get the maps out and see, maybe, because we don't know, it doesn't say, but maybe he went through like the desert, and that would have been tough, and God supernaturally allowed him to go through the desert. I don't know. We don't know, because it doesn't tell us. It just says the journey took 40 days and 40 nights, just like the journey the Israelites made in the wilderness between the time they didn't kill the giants, and they should have, (laughs) and the time that Joshua goes into Jericho. And they wandered around for those many years. And Jesus will model us when he himself is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And he fights not Goliath, but he fights Satan. And so it's modeling all this. So now you have the background for why Jesus is in the wilderness. He's modeling Israel and he's modeling Elijah ahead of new creation, modeling what happened in Genesis 2 when the world is without water. And he's going to come through baptism just like Moses came through the Red Sea, like Joshua crossed the Jordan, out of the wilderness. And so many people in Jesus' day looked out at the wilderness for Elijah or the Messiah to come. Because Moses came out of it. Joshua came out of it. Elijah came out of it. 
So you see, it's the same pattern that keeps repeating itself. And they say, well, God's going to do it again in a similar way. He makes some changes, but it's the same. Like we sing these songs. You've got to understand, this is like singing the song. Where you do verse 1 and then do verse 2. And it's slightly different, but it's close to the same. That's what they're doing here. It's slightly different, but it's close to the same. And there's enough close to the same that we can get excited. We can get excited because these same things that happened then are happening now. Now we can begin to say, okay, it's not exactly what was here, but it's close enough to let us know that God is really doing something here. And so that's how you see it. Verse 9. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Now we started again this whole deal in Isaiah 40 verse 3 after the voice of God. And all of this has pretty much been the voice of Elijah. Most of this is all the voice of Elijah. Now, finally, God is going to speak. Now we're getting God to speak. Everything else is, again, we said, James says, Elijah said, and Elijah said. Now, finally, chapter 17, chapter 18, chapter, the rest of chapter 18, because we split it in two stories. And now, finally, in chapter 19, Elijah is going to hear from God himself. What wouldn't we want to hear from God ourselves? I keep telling you, God is trying to send you messages. God is trying to speak to you. God is trying to prepare you. You're going through some things. It's not nice. But you're just like Elijah. You're just like Elijah. And Elijah is just like you. So grab a hold of these things and begin to understand. What doest thou here, Elijah? I love it how God talks to the people in the Old Testament. It reminds me of how Jesus talks in parables and things to the disciples and those other people hanging around. What are you doing here? Do we have to go back through everything? Go back through chapter 17? Go back through chapter 18? Go back through Jezebel? Go back through everything? God, what do you mean what I'm doing here? Your angel told me to come here. Here I am. You, only you brought me here. But you may get up. It's kind of like when I got up this morning. Things weren't quite going on. And they didn't go too well all throughout the day. But I somehow navigated it. Not the best of days, just not because of any bad news or anything, just one of those days. Yeah, weather. I wasn't sure whether how things are going to turn out all day long. It seemed like the, the more I got into this day, the worse things would happen. It's like, this usually comes together. It wasn't coming together at work today. It's like, okay. Driving is like, my wife actually called me. She's like, what happened? You haven't called me yet. Because I'm way behind on trying to get out the door. It just wasn't happening this morning. You ever have those days? And you're like, what am I doing here? You're going through this stuff. And what am I doing here? Well, God's asking him, yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, don't you know? You're the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, God of all gods. Obviously, you know what I'm doing here. You're the one that called me here in the first place. What am I doing here? I'd like to know. Why did I have to go through all of this? Did I not do what you want? And he's going to go through the whole story because he needs to tell his story. Everybody needs to tell their story. Here we go. 
Verse 10, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, I'm the only one left. I'm left behind. It's just me. And they even seek to take my life away. Now, when Jesus went through all he went through, he didn't go through this. He just took up his cross. But he's got to have his pity party. Because he's just like you and me. <laughs> Look in the mirror. Right? So he's like, hey. Verse 11, he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not an earthquake. And we keep talking about all these earthquakes. We keep talking about all these. And I, I still can't figure out the insurance guy. Now I heard my nephew selling insurance. I got to call him up sometime and say, hey, what is this? Do you guys still use that phrase, acts of God? Because they blame God on everything. They blame God. On, like it's God. Like he's up there. Ha ha. Let me throw another earthquake at him. Wow. Strike. Oh, 10 pins down. Hallelujah. That's just their way of getting out of the pan bar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we don't understand. But he's not in that. He's not in this stuff. He's not in the wind. Earthquake. He's not in the earthquake. Verse 12. After earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Or some of the modern translations to help you pull this out. We think God is going to shout and come in and save the day. God doesn't need to shout. He can just whisper. And the question is, can we hear him? Because there's so, we keep talking about this voice. There's so much noise in this world we can't hear. Can't hear ourselves think. Used to, you only watch news one time a day maybe. If you're lucky. Now it's 24 hours a day. Your phone is beeping with all the bad news being dumped on you from all around the world. We didn't have that before. If there was an earthquake in Nepal 100 years ago, it took almost 10 years for the news to come. There was an earthquake. I mean, by the time they got the ship and got a letter and got it, you know, and then finally by the time it got printed, by the time you got it and it got delivered and it went to, and passed so many hands, finally this story was told. Today, instantaneously, everything's instant. I got a comment to make about that instant stuff. I was talking to a guy about God, and he said, well, the reason why all that stuff comes about is we got television now. And I thought, you don't think God knows there's going to be television? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Not even televisions, but we got TVs in our pocket. I remember when I used to laugh at people who have a phone this size. I said, man, it looks like a guy with a, tele a television coming out of his ear. And now I got one. Because <laughs> yeah, we can see right there. You can see, they got watches now. You can see it. Pretty soon they're going to have it here. And if I'm not mistaken, Ed, they're going to stick it in your eyes. You can wear probably a smart contacts and you can just see. You know, whatever they're coming with. There you go. There you go. But he's not in all that stuff. He's got to compete with all that. Remember, it's 850 prophets against one. 
So you're not alone in this when you're facing all this stuff. All these things are, remember, there's all these spirits out there and they're not really happy with, so they're going to cause all kinds of trouble. You know? My brother keeps laughing because he's having an interesting time with his children. He says, your days are coming because they'll be here. He said, then we'll see how you do with your children when they show up. Yeah. What am I going to do when my children do something in there and I've got to call Shirley and say, well, my kids just did this to your and Karen's lovely work job that you did work so hard on. And Sherilyn will say, we'll fix it. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll get busy and fix it. Yeah. So, you know. But everything's attacking us. But God's not in all that. He's just still small voice. He didn't have to speak very loud because he's God. But are we listening to that whisper? Because it's hard sometimes, right? With all the stuff going on to hear him. It's very difficult. And it was so, verse 13, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out. No, he better not look because he's scared of what he's going to see. Wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Now God hasn't stopped. He's still asking the same question. What are you doing here? Guess what? He's going to go through it all again. He's got to tell a story, so he's going to tell it twice. Verse 14, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because of the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets, and with the sword, even I and I only left, they seek my life to take it away. And he's going to rehash it all because that's what we got to do. We're like a broken record because once that record is broken, we just got to tell it again and again and again. That's the, that's the problem with this Facebook stuff because you only get to tell it once. And then you wait to see how many likes you get. <laughs> you know, just tell the story once and you wait and see how many people share your story or like it or comment on it. Or before we call this one and call that one and call this one and keep telling and keep telling and keep telling. Verse 15, And the Lord God said, Go, return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. When thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. You, what do you want me to go to these foreign kings? He's anointing foreign kings. And Yehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king of Israel. I'm anointing the next king of Israel? What should that tell you, though? That means Ahab and Jezebel are getting ready to be gone. Don't you worry about Ahab and old Jezzy. You worry about the guy that's going to replace him, because I've already got the replacement. I've already got the replacement. Okay? I've already got it. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abimelech, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Oh, by the way, I'm replacing you too. <laughs> you said you want to retire? Okay. You say you want to come upstairs? Okay. I'll send my fiery chariot down, but you go get Elisha and you prepare him then. If you're done, then you prepare your replacement. And don't worry about Jezzy because I'm going to replace her too. And that's where we get the word Yahoo from. <laughs> Yahoo. Remember he drives like a Yahoo? He drives like a Yahoo? 
That's this Jehu because somebody sees this guy drive and go, oh my goodness, we're in trouble. Why? Says so that guy's driving like a madman. That can only be Jehu. He's coming to kill us all. And does it? That's what he does. That's what he does. That's what he does. God says, I'm going to give. Verse 17. And shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escaped the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. In other words, it's going to get taken care of. They're going to clean it up. In other words, it's a mess. Okay, but you don't have to clean it up. Wow, isn't that a nice thing to know? You don't have to clean the mess up. I got somebody else coming to clean this mess up. So stop fretting. I got it covered. You don't have to clean it up. Wow. Verse 18. Oh, by the way, Mr. I only and the only one doing anything around here. It's all about me. I've left 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed down unto Baal, and every mouth which not kissed him. Oh, but I told you there was 50 in this cave, 50 in that cave. That's only 100. I got 6,900 more. You're not the only one. Come on, Elijah. Don't think it's all about you. Oh, woe is me. There's plenty more where that came from. And I'm going to replace you anyway because I guess you're done. Because you want to trust me or not? Come on. So there's your answer. So what is the takeaway in this message? Go talk to God. Don't listen to all the noise. Go talk to God. Let him tell you what he's doing. If you can't figure it out, read this, and this will tell you who God is, and then you can probably extrapolate from if he did this for them, what's he going to do for us? Because we got the Holy Ghost. This is, we're after Jesus. This is the people before Jesus. You can extrapolate, because he's the same God. One of my students is amazing. You know, I come in there, and first class and first everything at this new college I was teaching at, and he's whipped up his hands and says, I got a question for you. He says, okay, what's your question? Wouldn't even let me start teaching nothing, you know? Okay, what's the question? Well, Jeremiah 29, 11, he said that in Jeremiah's day. What does that mean for me? I'm not Jeremiah. I said, it's the same God, right? I said, if he did that for them, will he not do the same for you? You learn who God is and how God works, then you can figure out how God is probably going to work in your life. And it didn't always work out for Elijah because he's he's running for Jezebel. It doesn't always work out for us. But the key is to get down to the still small voice where we can hear God. Or at least hear his word tell us the kind of God that's got us. And if he's got us and he's got the whole world in his hand, then what are we worried about? But we do it anyway. Why? Because Elijah's just like us and we're just like Elijah. (laughs) That's why. Because we're who we are. But he still loves us despite it anyway. He still loves us. Not every day can you wear a white hat and walk around like the Duke. Checking for pilgrims. Always wondered, was that his favorite holiday, Thanksgiving? John Wayne always talking about pilgrims. I thought maybe, you know, hanging out with Indians. I don't Was Thanksgiving his favorite holiday? I don't know. Somebody get that guy some turkey, man. He's looking for some stuffing. Anyway, 
Praise the Lord. He's just like us. We're just like him. And God is still mad over us, just as much as he's mad over Elijah, madly in love with us enough to send Jesus to die for us and give us the Holy Ghost. And he understands that sometimes we lose it, <laughs> like Elijah. And the only way to get it back is to listen to that voice. And Elijah had to travel because everything was a mess. There was no place to worship. All the altars were turned down. He couldn't go back to the one he just built because of Jezebel. So he had to go to the mountain of God so he could experience God. But God had to let him know that all this noise that you're experiencing is not from me. I will whisper tenderly into your ear, just as I promised I would do in Hosea to whisper into the ear of Israel by taking her out into the wilderness, even making her naked so she had nothing else to cling to so she would grab a hold of me to get rid of all of her filthy addictions. If that's what I got to do until you can hear me, I will do whatever it takes because I'm in that much love with you. And that's the story of God. And that's the story of Elijah. And that's the voice I need you to hear. Not mine. I need you to hear the voice of God. And the only way you're going to do it is if you get to God. And it may be that you have to go through all this stuff that Elijah went through to get to God. But you got to go to God. Because I don't have the answers. I just know who does. And I'm just like you and I'm just like Elijah. And I'm still trying to get there myself. And I have good days and I have bad days and I have those other days. You know, the good, bad, and the ugly. Get back to Clint Eastwood. I have the good, the bad, and then there's the ugly. Just like anybody else. It's amazing how Elijah is, but then when I look in the mirror, he's not all that different than me. And I'm not all that different from him. And the same God that was with him is the same God with me. Therefore, if he's doing it with me, he can do it with you. And you can understand that God is with you. Father God, we thank you for Elijah. We thank you for that whisper, that still, small voice. Because you're trying to calm down Elijah. He's all over the place. And he's making as much noise as the earthquake and the wind and all the fire and everything else. Over a woman. (laughs) For three and a half years, he could stand against him. But he somehow lost his place. Lost his footing and got off of it. And he found himself in a state of depression and fear and running. But at least he ran to you. And at least he finally heard your voice. And you told him that yes, his time was soon to be over. He was about ready to graduate. But you had a few more loose ends for him to do. But you didn't expect him to do it all. You expected him to prepare for the ones who are coming who would do the rest. Help us to understand what you're calling us to do so that we can prepare the way for others to do what you have yet remaining here upon the earth until you come. We thank you and praise you for that. Help us to hear your voice and not the voices of this world, especially our own, So that we don't go spouting off about things we don't need to spout off about. But that we trust you 
it's not easy because this world doesn't make it easy. They're against you and against your Christ. Therefore, they're against us because we're with you. So it's not going to be pretty. It's actually going to be pretty ugly. So help us to receive this word of encouragement tonight that you gave Elijah for our own benefit. And help us to reach with others the same message to them that they will hear the same hope that we can serve together the God of Elijah. In Jesus' my name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.